everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Yourself. I've got a big challenge ahead of me today trying to summarize the episode with Stephen Levy, the editor-at-large of Wired. I'm going to try my very best. There's a couple of things. Even though I've listened to the episode four times now, there's some parts of it that have stuck with me from the very, very first moment that we were doing the interview and have been rattling around in my brain, and I, I think they might be interesting to you as well. So while we've covered the full spectrum of Stephen's career from his um, university studies all the way through where he is now as editor at large at Wired, there's been some important pivot moments that I feel like he created for himself. That might not be the way that he originally saw it, but throughout our conversation, I think that was a recurring theme that he was really thoughtful about creating opportunities, making pivots, asking the right questions, which <laughs> to no surprise led him to a career in journalism but I was really inspired by his path. So to oversimplify the journey, he started um, college studying literature, and then in his grad studies, he went into a program that would allow him to go in, in more depth in, in that subject, but he found it to have more of a scholarly angle that he wanted. So he was figuring out what he wanted to do and took a creative writing course kind of as a pivot, and that's where he found a mentor, a professor that helped him do something that no one else in his program had done before, which was arrange a three-month internship as part of his graduate studies, where he could work at a local paper and receive credit for that. And there he did everything from feature stories and reviewing a local university's uh, play production to editorial pieces, and including some very unglamorous assignments like going to the supermarket every week and tracking the prices on some basic necessities to report on the health of the economy. He was willing to do everything because he really was framing that work, that early stage of um, trying to learn as much as fast as possible. And that really resonates from my early careers as well. You have to be unafraid to do the unglamorous work and to start really, really small in order to be in the rooms where you can learn the right vocabulary, be exposed to the people who are doing the type of work you want, and really learn the basics and the foundation that will set you up for opportunities in the future. So he mentioned after graduating from um, his master's that he took his hand at trying to write a novel, then he went back to his hometown and decided to really try his hand at being a journalist. So he started working for the local paper in Philadelphia. And here he oversimplifies this by saying, and I taught myself how to write for magazines, <laughs> which I'm sure involved a lot of trial and error. And he, he mentioned that he got paid $10 a story. So this isn't the glamorous big beginning, but through that experience, he was willing to try a lot of things, meet a lot of people in the Philadelphia Magazine, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and got noticed. And he describes this part of his career as a magical time. So I think a lot of us try and fast forward our way through this period of our careers, but really this is something that's never gonna come around again, where you're maybe have less of uh, worries around promotions or bonuses, and you're really just there for learning sake and can kind of take some crazy assignments and, and gather all the data points and create something for yourself that's really valuable and gives back to you. It teaches you kind of the person you wanna be and what you wanna create contribute to the world. And so during this period of time, um, Stephen created some writing opportunities for himself just by being willing to try anything. And from that, he got noticed by Rolling Stone and he was commissioned to do an article on future hackers. And this is in the early 80s, before this was part of a, our regular daily conversations. And he assumed that this assignment would actually be super boring. It didn't sound fun from the description. 
But once he arrived in Silicon Valley, he was surprised. He found it exciting and exhilarating and that he was watching the future being made. And that really resonates with my career story as well. I did not think that a career in tech was going to be very exciting, but I found the opposite to be true. I loved having a front row seat to watching the future being created. So because Stephen and I share a fairly unique career, um, what's the word, a uh, set of peers in our careers, I asked him one of the questions that I'm most commonly asked, which is, has he been able, through his introductions into these very powerful people, has he been able to discern a formula for greatness? Has he seen any common denominators between these high-performing people? And he confirmed that he has, and his list is very similar to mine. He said, first, he's noticed their fearlessness. Second, that they're able to filter out criticism. And third, that they just have this very strong internal compass. So for him, he described this as, Reed Kurzweil has um, an explanation about how tech evolves at an algorithmic pace. It's not linear, it's not incremental, it's uh, astronomical. And so these great minds, these thinkers, these people who've become these celebrity CEOs of our generation are the kind of people who can handle the time of logarithmic change. They can take an idea from what the rest of us think is crazy to becoming very possible. He says it's because they're the only ones who can keep pace with this arch of technology. And so he says that the second most important factor in, in these um, high-performing people is that they're willing to be misunderstood. They're willing to let everyone around them tell them they're crazy. And Jeff Bezos is very famous for saying this, that entrepreneurs have to be willing to be misunderstood for a long time. But the amazing thing is they don't pivot from that. They don't allow their skeptics to sway them because for them, it doesn't feel like a guess. They're not taking a gamble in the future. They are able to see in the data a proof of concept that other people just can't yet see. And they are brave enough to jump into it. So as we were talking about this, I joked with Stephen that his career reminded me of the movie Almost Famous, and he laughed and confirmed he's had many moments like that. But then he threw me a little curveball when he mentioned the movie Defending Your Life, which I was not familiar with when he mentioned it. It's a movie that came out in 1991, and it's about, about a man who dies and arrives in the afterlife only to find that he must stand trial and justify his life around his fears in order for advancement. The next, in order to get to the next phase of his existence, he has to have been brave and takes, uh, taken some bets on himself, or he's going to be sent back to Earth to do it again. What? How did I not know that exists? That's basically the name of this podcast is Bet on Yourself. And that's been rattling around in my brain ever since because I've been thinking about that. If I was in the afterlife now facing judgment on that, about how brave I've been and how much I've bet on myself, would I be sent back? I think maybe that might explain some near-death uh, moments that I've had in my life. Maybe I was sent back, but I like to think that I'm incrementally making myself braver. And I'm really glad to have had that um, behavior modeled for me very, very successfully across my career. Um, another thing that Steven mentioned is, because I asked about the weaknesses in some of these powerful people that he's uh, studied and um, has written about, and he says, what he really sees as a weakness is those who choose to continue living in a bubble. 
where they're not always hearing the truth. They don't seek out or demand that kind of feedback and rigorous um, pushback from their peers. So that's when, that's when it gets into a negative spiral. But those who really surround themselves with people who are telling the truth, who really hire up and, and challenge themselves to think about the world differently, are the ones who are truly the most successful and the most satisfied in their work. And I could not agree more. That's definitely been my experience in working in tech. So Steve and I talked about a lot of things. We also cover the topics of truth and journalism, about modern democracy, uh, technology's role to be played in that. Um, but I think what I really want to leave you with was what Stephen described as his hope for the future. His hope for the future really centered around, especially after this pandemic year we've had in 2020, for him it was around staying connected and knowing that our experiences individually, our, our thoughts, our desires, our fears, uh, the beauty that we want to create in the world are more in common than different and that we can band together around this, this common hope and that there's more opportunities now than ever for us to come together across all parts of the globe and create the good we want to see in the world. And the last thing I want to leave you with from Stephen Levy's interview was that was what he calls the commandments of journalism. He says, what you discover in the process of writing is always more interesting than your preconceptions of what it might have been. I think that's true of life in general. When I start a project or meet a new person or get into an environment that's unfamiliar to me, I absolutely am thrilled by what I find, by the surprises that come along the way. And for me, that's been the greatest joy of my career is to just say yes, <laughs> drag my own chair into the room, take a seat at the table and see what might come be. So I hope that this week you'll take an extra bet on yourself, especially thinking about that potential afterlife judgment and do something truly exceptional that really excites you. I believe in you and I think I can't wait to see what your next big bet is going to be. Please share it with me. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bet on Yourself podcast. If you're like me, you have a lot of new insights and ideas of things you want to implement from this episode. Don't worry if you were listening to this while walking the dog or putting a baby to sleep or driving and didn't have hands free to take notes. We've done the hard work for you. Check out the show notes here in your podcast app or on my website, annhyatt.co, for additional resources. While you're there, you can also sign up for my newsletter, which always supplements these podcast themes with additional free resources. May I ask for a quick favor? Please click on that follow or subscribe button here in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode and give us a five-star rating. I'd love it if you'd also share this via your social media with your friends and tag me so that I can see what resonated with you, who you would like to hear on future episodes, and what topics are on your mind. We'll be back next week with even more content to support you in your big bets. I'll see you then.